Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for all the blessings you you have given us, especially that of your Son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We give thanks for all the saints that await their eternal glory and the resurrection of all flesh on this day of All Saints' Day. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. That's still a little sharp. Down, 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 down. That's better. Wow. So Pastor had been doing the Bible study on First Peter. I think he went through chapter 3 last week. So we're going to pick up at chapter 4. So that's First Peter chapter 4, verse 1. And I've got some handouts that are going around. I only made about 45 copies, so you might have to share a little bit. Um, we'll be... It didn't go front and back. I'm wasting paper. Um, so, if you've got your Bibles open, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Stuart's of God's grace. Um, You think we can all read a paragraph together? Let's try it. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking, parties, and mine reads differently than yours. (laughs) That just dawned on me. Um, And lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead, for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Um, I think uh, the first line, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, we all know what that was in his suffering uh, on the cross and everything that led up to it, arm ourselves with the same way of thinking. Um, and that kind of smacks down the whole idea of a, of a kingdom of earthly glory where, where we will experience all earthly riches and health and wealth and the other things some want to claim for themselves through Christ. Um, it's, it also says, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions but for the will of God. Um, the uh, kind of paper, let's see, did I get that far? For the, time is, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking, parties, and lost idolatry. Uh, the top of the first page, it says, let the, let the time that is past suffice for doing what the Gentiles like to do, living in licentiousness, which encompasses a good part of that, the orgies, drunkenness, passions, drunkenness, 
revels, carousing, and lawless idolatry. Um, it says here, to be sure, faith begins to slay sin and to bestow heaven, but it has not yet become perfect and really strong. As Christ says about the Samaritan, whose wounds are not yet healed, but he was bandaged and looked after in order that his wounds might be healed. And that is how it is here for us. Um, I, you know, people who go through life with no suffering, I don't think can really understand the gift of grace that God has given. Um, our, our suffering as Christ has uh, allows us to partake in his suffering and also in the uh, desire and the hope of uh, his resurrection. The, the, uh, but we're not perfect in that. And I think that's really the hard part for a lot of people. We want to do better, we want to do better, we want to do better, and we can't. And when you're searching for a kingdom of glory or a kingdom uh, that says you can be perfect before God, and worthy before God because of your own doings and your own work, all that does is lead to frustration and to ultimately um, you just give up because you can't find hope in your own uh, flesh. So uh, verse 3 for the time, we just read that. Um, so as to live the rest of time in the flesh no longer but by passions, but by the will of God, uh, so as to live. You know. From now on, as long as we live, we should take the flesh captive and mortify it by means of the cross so that we do what is pleasing to God, not that by doing so we should or could merit anything, no longer by human passions. He says, that is, we should not do what, what we or others feel a desire to do. For as Paul says in Romans 12, 2, we should not be conformed to this world. We must avoid what the world would have us do. And that is a very difficult thing because the world makes everything look so happy um, and joyous. And uh, if, you know, if you've ever been a, a college student, you go off to college and everything's all great and happy and there's parties and great freedom and everything else. But then you realize that that is not uh, what is going to be best for your life. And so you need to stay from, away from these things and other things in our lives um, that are not things of God, things of Christ. To be in his word, to be studying his word, hearing his word, receiving his sacraments. Um, the flesh sees no need for these things. And those who live in the flesh see no need for these things. And they cannot discern the will of God. Um, so we must avoid what the world would have us do. Uh, let's see. Down again at the bottom, speaking of the, the time that has passed, suffices for doing what the Gentiles do. It says, by licentiousness, Peter means outward gestures or words with which one gives evil indica indications, even if the deed is not done, and with which one reveals indecency and seeing and hearing from this the lust and also the deed results, then such abominable idolatry also follows. Therefore we can apply this to ourselves, for since we have now lost faith, we have surely lost God. And if we look at it in the proper way, we are certainly practicing idolatry 
more, more abominable than the idolatry practiced by the Gentiles. Um, and he speaks of this licentiousness or this uh, sensuality uh, of a sexual nature and that the, our sexual lusts when unrestrained, and this was one of Luther's great points for the marriage of, excuse me, for the marriage of uh, priests was that, you know, they too had urges and they too needed to be bound in a, in a uh, relationship given by God in marriage to have those urges fulfilled. And uh, this, when we look at the uh, indecency and even the thought of going outside of those things, the very thought brings on the idea that, well, it's possible. Um, I, I always said uh, in our house, in my, when, when I was a kid, divorce wasn't even a word you spoke. Um, you didn't even mention it. Because the very idea that, well, divorce, yeah, divorce, divorce, okay. And it, it finally kind of loses its horrible tone that it has. And uh, I used to see this at the hospital when I was a nurse. I worked with a lot of women. And one would get divorced, and there would become like a rash of them because somehow uh, they would just, you know, well, boy, it's good to be rid of that guy. And, well, maybe I should get rid of mine too, you know. And it just kind of became a plague at times because it just kept being spoken of. And you want to go, no, stop it. Um, <laughs> I, I had one gal that was one night, Two o'clock in the morning, and we're sitting there, and she's complaining because um, her boyfriend, his ex-wife, is so mean to her, you know, but she loves him. And I'm like, and he has these two kids, you know, and, and I'm like, this really isn't your burden to take on. Um, if you want to, great, you know, but... but you're not just taking this on for the moment. You know, you marry him, and that ex-wife is the mother, and you think, okay, well, we, you know, we get through school, and the kids are 18, and we're good. And I'm like, no, because then you have kids, and they have kids, and then there's Grandma's Day at kindergarten, and you're there, and the ex-wife is there. And this is a lifelong thing you're entering into, and I said, that's not really God's plan in the way things were to be done. I said, and if you can, the best thing you can do is find yourself a man whose family does not even know the word divorce. His parents aren't divorced. Maybe his grandparents weren't divorced. I said, it's just not part of their culture. So when we speak of certain things, uh, we make it part of our culture of our families, we make it part of the culture of ourselves. And uh, it can be a very strong uh, temptation to just even speak of things. So we don't do as the uh, Gentiles do or as the, those apart from God's grace do. Um, he says that it is we should not, not do what we or others feel a desire to do, so we must avoid it. 
Um, da -da -da, let's see. Read on. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. And this preached to the dead is those who are spiritually dead. They're, they're dead in faith. Uh, and it is the word of God that can bring life in that situation. Um, that's why it's important for us to be very faithful in the way we witness to others and witness with God's word. The end of all things, verse 7, is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Uh, I thought I had something on there, but I guess not. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whether Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God must be glorified through Jesus Christ. Um, above all, hold unfailing to your love for one another, since God, since love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, this is on page two for you. Uh, according to the interpretation of some, this verse mil militates against faith. Therefore, they say, you declare that faith alone makes one pious and that no one can be freed from sins through works. Then why do Solomon and St. Peter say that love covers sin? It says, you must reply, Solomon says that he who hates another person is unceasingly eager for strife and quarreling, but where there is love, it covers sin and is glad to forgive. Where there is anger, you will find a rude person who refuses to be reconciled and remains full of anger and hatred. On the other hand, a person who is full of love cannot be angered, no matter how greatly he is offended. Um, this was probably before they invented cars and highways. And <laughs> I, yeah. Did you see the story about stay out of the left lane unless you're passing somebody and you're going to get a ticket? And I'm like, is it love to pull me over and give me a ticket when I'm going 70 and a 65 and I'm getting run over by somebody that wants to go 85? I don't know. Um, but I try not to get mad, you know, and I try not to get mad at that person that's barreling up behind me. Um, but this is what love does. The, uh, he covers everything and pretends not to see it so that this covering is meant with reference to the neighbor, not with reference to God. Only faith shall cover your sin before God, but my love covers my neighbor's sin just as God covers my sin with his love if I believe. So I must also cover my neighbor's sin. Um, therefore, the apostle says that you should love one another in order that one person may be able to cover the other person's sin. And love does not cover one, two, or three sins. No, it covers a multitude of sins. It cannot suffer and do too much. It covers everything. Thus, in 1 Corinthians 13.7, St. Paul also says, and as it were, interprets this text, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I want the very best for everybody. 
it can suffer and forgive everything that is inflicted on it. Having the, the love of Christ in us lets us just sometimes shake our head and go on, um, but it also gives us the ability to speak in a way of love that uh, might be hard for some people to hear. Uh, people don't always want to hear the truth. Um, they want to make their own way and make God fit them. And uh, to that end, I'm trying how to figure out how to relay something to you. Um, when people get caught up and this goes back to the licentiousness and other things, where they want to make, uh, for instance, uh, homosexuality okay, and they will say, well, you know, I go to a church where everybody's accepted. And, well, that, I guess we're all accepting, and we're an accepting church. We accept everybody in so far as they repent of their sin. We accept all sinners, but we can't love somebody and accept them in uh, an open act of homosexual behavior or in an open act of abusing their spouse or their children or living in an open sin. Uh, and when you turn your back on what God says and that being wrong and say, well, I think it's okay and I need to go find a church that believes what I believe that accepts everybody and embraces them where they are and how they are without calling them to repentance, um, then you're seeking an idol. You're making God to be what you want him to be versus what he says he is. So love sometimes has to be firm, and if you have children, you know this, and if you're children, you know this, um, that love requires you know, uh, to be, that people be reprimanded and, and be shown the correct way. But in, uh, in many sins, you know, we you go back to not uh, being a gossip about people, but helping them through things. Uh, so, and there are lots of things we can simply forgive in people, such as the guy behind me going 85. Um, <laughs> let's see. Each has received a gift, employ it for one another. Now, this also is a work of love, as also the injunction that follows, namely that we should serve one another. With what? With the gifts of God, which everyone has received. The gospel wants everyone to be the other person's servant, and in addition to see that he remains in the gift which he has received, which God has given him. That is, in the position to which he has been called. God does not want a master to serve his servant, the maid lady to be a lady, the prince to serve the beggar. For he does not want to destroy the government. The apostle means that one person should serve the other person spiritually from the heart. Even if you are in a high position and a great lord, yet you should employ your power for the purpose of serving your neighbor with it. Thus, everyone should regard himself as a servant. Then the master can surely remain a master and yet not consider himself better than the servant. Thus, he would also be glad to be a servant if this were the will of God. The same thing applies to other stations in life. To be a servant, um, 
I think it was difficult for all of us to just set back and, you know, what can I do for another, especially in a position of, of power or authority. Um, I mean, I guess we could say we all see this to the greatest extent in politicians who abuse their office or, uh, boy, lately in uh, Hollywood, people in high places of authority that have abused that authority with those under them rather than using what they've been given to help those people up in their career. Um, they lord it over them and use their authority and... Uh, and don't have a really a servant spirit toward those people. So that, that's what we're to do. Even if we are in, in a higher place, we are to reach down in the, the act of a servant and raise people up. And I mean, th this is what Christ has done for us. He became the least to lift us up. And we are to do that for those around us. So we should regard ourselves as a servant. Um, whoever speaks as one who utters oracles of God. Accordingly, God has poured out various gifts, very gifts among his people. They should be directed to one end only, namely that one person should serve the other person with them, especially those who are in authority, whether the preaching or another office. Now, St. Peter says here, whoever speaks as one who utters oracles of God or God's word, one should note very well that no one should preach anything unless he is sure that it is God's word. Here, St. Peter has stopped the mouth of the Pope. Uh, this, you know, Luther gets his dig. And lo, the Pope wants to be St. Peter's successor. So how beautifully he lives up to that obligation. So Peter gives his words in advance of the Pope, saying one should preach, should not, that no one should preach anything unless he is sure that it is God's word. And this was one of Luther's great problems with the uh, Roman church at the time of the Reformation. Uh, I, I think this too is the, the concern and fear of many a pastor. I know it is of this one. That uh, I open my mouth and mangle God's word in some way. And I'm sure I will, and I pray you will forgive me when I do it. Um, but, uh, you know, we trust. And, and, and this too is is a trust that we have to have as we speak to our neighbor, as we speak to our friend, our coworker. Um, somebody pointed out that evangelicals, and by that I guess I mean those who, you know, carry their Bible with them everywhere, and they quote scripture and know Bible verses inside out, backwards and forwards. Um, they know their Bibles very well. And um, they speak a lot, but then they speak of what, you should do, and they speak a lot of law. And we've been given the gift to speak gospel and the law. And what a wonderful thing to be able to share that with people, but we shouldn't be afraid to just speak like you would to your child across the table or, you know, to your friend as you would um, at work, the truth that God has put in you. Um, you're his child and he will give you words to speak. And, and when you get into modern-day evangelical evangelism where they want to count the souls that are saved and, you know, oh, I just, I went out today and I witnessed to God for four people and praise God they all said that they believed in Jesus and accepted him. 
We don't do that. We, we preach the word, we share the word, and we trust that the Holy Spirit, who is in us, works through us, that what we say, he will use in his good time, in his good way. And we don't know when that's going to be. That person may, well, I don't want to debate you on that one, you know, and we'll, you know, we won't talk about that. And Okay, that's fine. But you've shared God's word with them in some way, and the Holy Spirit will do his work in his time. And in that glorious day when we were all saints, we were all raised, we'll look around and go, hey, what do you know? Someone else must have spoken to him. Because I don't remember what I did. No. Um, and someone else may, but you <laughs> laid a piece of that foundation, brick by brick by brick. Um, so where were we? Time. Let's see. <laughs> Whoever renders service is one who renders it by the strength which God supplies. Thus here, it is earnestly forbidden to take orders from any bishop unless he is certain that God is going is doing what he does, and he can say, here I have God's word and command. Were this not the case, he must be regarded as a liar, for God has ordained that our conscience must rest on solid rock. This pertains to the general rule. Here no one should follow his own opinion and do something concerning which he is not sure if God wants it. From this you see that long ago St. Peter toppled the rule of the Pope and the bishops as it is today. There Luther goes again. Um, so, you know, speaking to uh, making rules of men in the church not being ruled by the word of God. Um, and to be sacramental the way we are and to put our hope and faith and and trust in the words of God and what he has given, what he gives our children through baptism, what he gives us through his Lord's Supper to strengthen us and keep us in this faith versus trying to rely on something within ourselves that purifies us and keeps us. It is God's word that we must always turn to. Um, let's see... Suffering, so let's see. I think God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, verse 12, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are... Insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and it begins with us that we will... That no, it begins with us. What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the, the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing so. So our trials are going to come upon us. 
Um, uh, this was a, a warning that was given to me. I don't know. I guess I grew up in the age of Aquarius back in the 70s with all the, you know, astrological signs and what are you? I'm a Capricorn. Which house? I don't know. Born in December, two days after Christmas. Um, but people, you know, trying to use divination to find out what's in their future. I know the Ouija board was a big thing when I was a kid. And <laughs> no. Um, but in, in God's time, he will reveal what he wants us to know. Um, do you really want to know? What was it? Saturday Night Live. Boy, here I come. They did, they did, it makes a point. Um, they, they did a scene where uh, this, it's kind of like Monsters, Inc., but the Grim Reaper comes into this kid's room. And Billy, no, I'm Johnny. Who are you? Oh, um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a shadow. Don't worry. No, really, who are you? Really, I'm, I'm awake. We can talk. You know. No, something like this had happened. But, and he, no, really, who are you? And he just starts bugging. Who are you? I'm the Grim Reaper. Oh, what's he do? He brings death. Oh, okay. I got to go. Oh, I see you again. Well, someday. Well, when? When will I see you? When are you going to come? I want to see you. Come back. Talk to me. When are you going to come? I, I can't tell you that. No, really. Tell me. When are you going to come back? No, I can't. I, no, no. Just, no, really. And he, no, I can't. He goes, really? I want to know. Okay, I'll be back on your 16th birthday. <laughs> you know, it's like, boom. Is that what you want to know? Yet when you go looking into astrology and all these things, it's like, do you really want to know? We all go seeking to find something good. But it, it, all that is of the devil. And you really, God will give you in the time it comes, the courage, the strength, the energy to handle whatever it is he's going to give you that is a trial. And you will have that trial so you can understand Christ's suffering and you can understand the glory that he gained through his suffering for you. Um, as it says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice to be glad when his glory is revealed. Um, but don't, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. So, you know, suffering in your sins, that's your suffering. And you're getting your just desserts, as it were. And to that, God does let people over to their wicked desires. This is Pharaoh. If you look at, at the um, Exodus, through the plagues, Pharaoh hardens his heart through, okay, I won't pretend I know, um, through somewhere along the fourth or fifth plague, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened, and then all of a sudden it's like God hardened Pharaoh's heart. He says, go ahead. That's what you want. Have it. Have it your way. And um, some people get that, and then they find their way back. But others, God just gives them over to a hard heart. He gives them over to their sin. And with the confirmation students, I, I kind of use the analogy of you don't want 
to have to drag your spouse kicking and screaming down the aisle for marriage than dragging them to be your partner till death do you part. You want them to come out of love and respect and honor for who you are and what you are willing to give them. And that's how it is with Christ. Um, you realize who you are. You realize what you need through God's law. And he says, here I am. Come to me. So if you don't, he will say, fine. He's not going to drag everyone kicking and screaming into heaven. Um, Let's see, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and it begins with us. What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? I think we've been through that one. Uh, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And we always do that good, realizing it is not that good that gains us God's favor or gains us our salvation or gains us any merit apart from the cross of Christ. And that is where we place all of our hope. So, that is really what I've got on that. And I would entertain questions and that might be dangerous. <laughs> no. So, it's 10.30, almost. We'll close with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, as we see those who suffer around us, may they suffer to your glory. As we suffer ourselves, may we suffer to your glory. That as those who see us suffering may see you and the grace you have poured out upon us as we endure all things, just as your Son endured all things on the cross to win for us eternal life. We suffer in the hope of the resurrection and the life to come that will be eternally with you in heaven and all the saints. And this we give thanks for in Jesus' name. Amen.